What's going on, friends? Welcome back to the Breath of Heaven podcast. This is Chris, and this is a message that I shared about petitioning God. So we're jumping back into the series about the foundations of prayer and laying a foundation for communion and communication in our everyday life with God. In this message specifically, we're talking about asking God for something and how that's actually something he wants us to do. He wants us to be involved. He wants us to ask and expect to receive. I hope that this brings you life and is encouraging to you. Let's jump in. And this week, I actually want to talk about the prayer of petition, or in other words, asking God for things. Like tonight, we prayed over each other that God would answer the prayer of our hearts in this season. And so I want to talk about that tonight. If you have your Bible and you want to open to Matthew chapter 7, we know this scripture well. I'm going to bounce around quite a bit. If you want to play fast fingers and try to keep up, you're welcome to. Um, but I'm just going to roll through because I try to keep teachings on Friday nights short so we have more time for worship and fellowship. Matthew chapter 7. Father, we thank you for a beautiful time in worship. We thank you that we get to stay in your presence, open your word. I thank you that there is... Uh, God, you are in and one with your word. And that when we declare the word of God, we are speaking into atmospheres and making a difference and making change to the environment that we're in. So we give you this time to. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? When his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If then, being evil, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you what is good to those who ask him? So I love to think of prayer simply as conversation. It's relational, much like it would be with your spouse or with your best friend. There's definitely a difference, though, in our talking to God as there's a reverence for the fact that he created everything. It's a little different than me speaking to Levi or Chip or whoever. But it's meant to be personal. And not only that, he actually instructs us to petition him at times. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm just going to read this verse. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. If you're taking notes, you can write it down now. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. There's an old saying that says to seek God's face above his hand. Meaning that we should desire him more than we desire what he can give us. And actually, I love that statement. Um, I love that heart posture and that position. However, there are times... That God wants us to ask for his hand to move in our lives and in the lives of other people. As we lean into praying to God continually, seeking his face and spending time in his presence, being shaped and changed to be more like him, there is also a place for petitioning him to move on our behalf or the behalf of others. So let's break down Matthew chapter 7. Ask and receive. Psalm chapter 2, verse 8 says, Ask of me, and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. This is an asking and a promise to be fulfilled. So why do we need to ask then? If God knows the end from the beginning, and he knows everything about us, 
and our circumstances, why do we need to pray at times to see God move? Why doesn't he just do it? Well, here's a few reasons that I want to point out tonight. Number one is vulnerability. Asking for help requires you to be vulnerable. It takes humility in admitting that we can't live this life on our own. Asking God to move on our behalf or someone else's puts our trust in Him. Relationship, number two. Asking deepens our relationship with God. I remember one time calling my mom uh, for something. I get to use my mom as an example. When she's in town, it's a little more awkward. But I called her because I was having a hard time with something. And we were talking, and it was very helpful, and she prayed with me, and, and I said, you know, Mom, I don't actually call you a whole lot to tell you when I'm going through hard times, because I don't want to be like, I don't want to be a pain, I don't want to be a bother. And she stopped me, because I'm a grown man, you know, but she stopped me, and she said, honey, never hesitate to call me. I don't care how often you want to call me, because as a mom, it's my desire to be there for you as my son. It doesn't matter how old you are, how many kids you keep having, none of that matters. I still desire to be there for you in whatever you need me for. Now, I feel this way about my little kids, and I would assume that when my kids are adults, I'm going to have this exact same conversation with them. So relationship is a reason for asking for help. Number three, participation. Being intentional about asking involves you participating in seeing God move. If everything happened without us, we wouldn't be participants with God moving in the earth. Strangely, God has set the earth up to work through humans. Why doesn't he just bypass us? I don't know. It would be much more effective. But he has set up humanity on the earth to be used by the Lord. So we get to participate with him. If you never asked, how would you know that God had anything to do with it? Or that there was anything for God to respond to if you hadn't asked him for it? One of the ways we see the reality of God is through his response to our prayers. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story about a blind man named Bartimaeus. If you want to flip there, I'll wait. Um, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was standing by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly yelling at him to be quiet or telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. So could Jesus not see that Bartimaeus was blind? Pretty obvious. Of course he did. So why didn't he just get healed as Jesus passed by him? 
In the act of asking, he did four profound things that I see. First, he cried out and believed that Jesus could heal him. When Jesus requested Bartimaeus to come to him, in an act of faith, he threw off his begging clothes. I heard someone do a whole teaching on the clothes that they would actually wear as beggars, and it it marked them as beggars. And so by him throwing off his cloak, it was him saying, I am this no longer. I believe in the healing in this man. Refusing to stay where he had been stuck for so long, some of us need to do that, he jumped up and went to Jesus in faith. And then prompted by Jesus, he made his request to Jesus specifically on what he wanted him to do. Bartimaeus was welcomed into relationship with Jesus. If he had simply, if Jesus had simply passed him by and the wind around him had healed him, he would have never met him. He would have just been a healed blind man who didn't know what just happened to him. Isn't that the point? of our whole life is to have a relationship with Jesus. So in asking, it brings us into relationship, to to draw closer to Jesus. Bartimaeus made himself vulnerable to God. He was welcomed into relationship and he participated in seeing the miracle that Jesus performed. He was a part of it. He asked for it. So now seek and find. I got to pray for a young man recently that was struggling to find answers. I didn't know him uh, well in my short interaction with him, but in uh, interaction with him, but watching him stare at the pages of scripture with a terrified look on his face, I saw myself in him. Not long ago, uh, I had what you would call a crisis of faith. Or an existential crisis, or more poetically, with all my friends who are artists, would say, the dark night of the soul. I went through a season, not too many years ago really, of questioning everything that I ever believed about God and religion. And it was horrifying. Absolutely terrifying. See, I've spent my, pretty much my whole life, but especially since I was about 14 years old, walking with the Lord, serving the Lord, being involved in ministry, leading worship, um, To get to a place where I all of a sudden wasn't sure anymore was the most terrifying moment of my life. 27 was the scariest year of my life. And a lot of beautiful things happened in year 27. My son, Ocean, was born. We opened a coffee shop. God did so many beautiful things, but inside, it was the worst I think I've ever felt because I was questioning God. And it was a terrifying place to be. And in this young man, I saw the exact same thing. I watched him with a Bible in his hands, terrified, looking for the answers that he was struggling with. I got a chance to pray with him, and a lot of us prayed with him. And after, I hugged him, and I said in his ear, Jesus is not afraid of your questions. He started to cry, and he said, thank you. There was a pastor that I had served under years ago, and one of the things that he said that's always stuck with me is, don't run from God, run to God. When you're questioning things, it's not bad to question. For some reason in church culture, we've said, you can't question, you just have to believe. You know, like, one of the things I heard a lot when I moved here was, well, my grandpapa said, so that's just, that's what I believe. It's okay to question things. What's not good and what's not healthy is to question yourself into oblivion. 
What is good is to take your questions and your doubts to Jesus and let him actually answer them. Let him walk you through them. So scripture says, if we seek, that we will find. I have a ton more notes on that, but we're going to keep it simple. Knock and it will be opened. Maybe you said this before like me. I've been praying for what seems like forever and I don't see any evidence of anything happening. Anybody else? Wow, come on guys, be honest. I've been praying forever and I don't see it. I just don't see it. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Tell the truth and shame the devil. How do we respond when we believe something is of the Lord and we aren't seeing it come to pass? Jesus tells another parable um, about a persistent widow that won't let go until she sees justice happen. In Luke 18, this is a beautiful portrayal of this. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But after he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming to me, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Mm. When he comes, will he find faith in us? Back a handful of chapters in Luke 11, there's another example of persistence. In Luke 11, verse 5, then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. We live far, too far away from people to stop in at our neighbor's house nowadays. (laughs) Our closest neighbors are there, and it would be a four-wheeler ride. And he said from the inside, he answered, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up to give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. So let's shift gears a little bit. What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? Let me just go ahead and propose that there's more to it than saying at the end of our prayers in Jesus' name, amen. Which is great, and I do, and I think that's awesome. But to pray in the name of Jesus means at least a few things. Starting with praying for things that are consistent with his character and aligned with his purpose. So what does God care about? 
What are the things on his heart? There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord for a new car, a more suitable home, or a better job. Uh, that we're actively praying for things that matter. Are we actively praying for things that matter to him? God cares about the things that are important to us, but do we actually care about the things that are important to him? That's a hard question. In my time of asking him, is it all me-centered? Or am I praying for the things that Jesus would be praying for? The more we spend time with him, the more our desires shape to look like his. The more in sync we become with the heart and character of Jesus, the more we will be praying in alignment with him. It's when we get wrapped up in the things of the world that we step out of being in line with the heart of Jesus. James chapter 4 verse 3, You ask and do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Do you ever notice that the more time you spend in God's presence, the less you care about the things that you used to care so much about? For the record, I'm praying right now that a business sells. I don't think there's anything wrong with praying for things, but I also believe that it's of the Lord that we're transitioning in this time. And we've asked Him and we've sought Him and we've fasted about it and we've prayed about it. And so I feel like it's in line with His heart. And so we're praying and asking God to do it. So here's a wild perspective on praying in Jesus' name. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. When you study ancient Jewish wedding customs, one of the super cool details is that when the bride and groom get betrothed to one another, they're essentially married without physical intimacy. From the moment the betrothal or engagement in modern-day terms takes place, the groom takes financial responsibility for his bride. So he's now responsible for all of her financial needs once they are engaged. So let me add some authority to your prayer life. Jesus came and paid a price for you to be his bride. In fact, he paid the highest bride price, which I would love to review that teaching again. I did a while back. We'll do it another time. But there's a bride price that is paid for the bride. And so Jesus paid the price literally with his life for us. By accepting Jesus and becoming a part of the bride of Christ, you come under the authority of Jesus, but you also come under Jesus' provision. Don't lose me here. This isn't like a name and claim it thing. Ask for every... Uh, I'm sorry. Here is what I'm pointing out. I don't want to say that right. My wife and I are blessed that she's able to stay home. Now, for the record, like, stay home with our kiddos. Also, I realize that she works harder than me all day. (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know how hard a stay-at-home mom works. But we are blessed, and she is a hustler, and she'll bake bread and sell oils and do a lot of different things to, like, hustle. But we essentially live off of the income that I bring home. So one of the things in sharing our likeness and our views in our marriage is when Jess goes shopping to buy food or something for the home, we don't talk about everything that she goes to buy or where she's going to go buy it. It's not a discussion. Jess goes, and because we're in alignment, she goes to get the things that our family needs. By the provision that comes in, she knows she has access to it, and she goes and purchases what's needed in alignment with our home. Does that make sense? Like, we talk about big stuff, but regular daily stuff, she understands the provision, and is we're in alignment together as a couple, 
just like we can be with Jesus. When you know you have authority to pray for something because it's in alignment with the will of Jesus, you also realize that there's provision for the thing that you're praying for. To pray in the name of Jesus is to pray in alignment with his heart and character and trust him for the provision, physical, relational, financial, and so on. It is a regular reminder between my wife and I that God is our provider. No matter how hard we work, he still gets the credit and we still put our trust in him for everything. And men, don't let that discourage you. Yes, you are to work and provide for your family. But if you do that outside of him or in place of him, it's a whole lot harder. So in closing this, which ship will you play? Because, yeah. I want to talk about faith just for a minute. Because I feel like if we're going to talk about asking, faith is involved. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land, as a foreigner in the land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob fellow heirs to the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she had considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand is by the seashore. And I love this right here in verse 13. All these died in faith. Without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, a lot of times we get to see miracles when we ask God for something. We get to see Him answer, and it's beautiful. Sometimes we don't get to see them on this side of eternity, but they're still worth contending for. Hebrews 11 is commonly called the Hall of Faith chapter of the Bible. It's actually a really, really great chapter. If you want to stir up your faith, read Hebrews 11. It is filled with the mentions of, of, mentions of amazing men and women of God that gave everything into their death to believe for the promises of God. A lot of times we quit praying when we don't see the promotion happen quick enough or we don't see the answer immediately. Verse 13 says that they died in faith. They literally died maintaining hope for what God had promised. Later in the passage, there's a wildly beautiful phrase that says, Men of whom the world was not worthy. The faith-filled ones. Speaking of people who lived radically faith-filled lives and chose to honor God and believe His promises above anything else the world could offer them. Could you imagine having faith 
to the extent that it proved the worthiness of Jesus to the world around you. And I just want to share this. I read this in a devotion in the last couple weeks. And it says when you're in prayer to pray humble, specific, persistent, and expectantly. It's not a good acronym. H-S-P-E. It's hard to remember. But it's good. To pray humbly, specifically, persistently, and expectantly. Thanks for listening, friend. I pray that this is encouraging to your walk with the Lord each and every day. I hope that these podcasts are inspiring and encouraging for you to grow in your relationship with Him, to put Him first in your life and let everything uh, flow from that place. If you want to find more teachings or our music with Breath of Heaven Music, you can check out breathofheaveninc.org. That's breathofheaveninc.org. You can also donate if you would like to there to help us continue what God is doing here in Jamestown, Tennessee, and soon to be around the world as we start to reach out with podcasts and putting out music that is written and recorded here in Jamestown and hopefully inviting people in from a distance as well. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you in the next one.